This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Does this mean it's over? Does this mean he likes me? Are butterflies good? Am I ever going to meet someone? I'm tired of swiping. Am, Am I, I normal? normal? Gen Z is saying, listen, we have far more information about sexuality than any other generation. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you watch me on the Drew Barrymore Show, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another groundbreaking episode of Dates and Mates. It's no question that with every generation, the world of dating evolves and changes. Sociologists say baby boomers enjoyed the sexual revolution. Gen Xers experienced an individualized dating experience. Millennials launched us into the era of online dating. And now Gen Z, well, they're taking things to the next level. From lat relationships to being monogamish, Gen Z is looking for relationships that fit their needs while encouraging their growth. And here to discuss it all with me today is Paul Keeble. He is the chief strategy officer for Ashley Madison, the world's leading married dating website. Now, wait, I know what many of you are thinking. Ashley Madison? Damona, I'm looking for a single life partner. And I get it. I am not here to encourage infidelity today. I am in a happy, healthy, monogamous relationship myself. And most of my clients I know are looking for monogamy. But I also have been increasingly getting questions from people that are sort of monogamous curious. And I am here to learn. And I hope you are too. The team over at Ashley Madison, they have been working hard at compiling some invaluable data about their users. And Paul is here with me today to break down the company's recently published study, Decoding Gen Z, a global report on non-monogamy, sex, and the desire for discretion. And the details that he has, the information he's going to share, impact all of the generations. So this is really going to be an interesting episode for you to stay tuned for. But first, we have the dating dish of the week, and it is boiling hot. It's secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone's wallet, according to Wallet Hub. <laughs> and then later in Dear Demona, I'll answer this question. How do I move on completely from my ex? All right, grab your forks and knives and spoons because it's time to dish. These dating dish. Wallet Hub is making headlines with their new financial secrets survey. They asked people about everything from what topics people lied about or kept hidden to when people should discuss finances to how not being truthful about money affects relationships. And they came up with some interesting data. Turns out men are more tight-lipped about money. 76% more men have financial secrets compared to women. Which generation is most honest? Well, baby boomers, of course. 42% of millennials and 39% of Gen Zers have financial secrets compared to only 13% of baby boomers. 
We all know this. We all know that money issues can ruin relationships. Nearly one in three Americans say that they would break up or get a divorce over financial problems. And this was really interesting to me because you've heard me say on the show before, perhaps, that money is really a proxy for something else. So I was really interested in the secrets survey because I say that when people are arguing about money, actually we're usually arguing about something else and we're using money as sort of that that proxy, that tool to convey our frustration. But if we even take a step back from that, there's a difference in opinion on how people even think about their partner's entitlement to, to financial info. More than one in four people, according to this Wallet Hub survey, said that their partner doesn't have the right to know how much money they have. That freaking shocked me <laughs> because I feel like secrets in general aren't great in a relationship, but financial secrets could be absolutely devastating. And if you are blending your life with someone and potentially blending your finances, whether you keep separate bank accounts or not, you are blending finances. If you're going on vacation together, you're maybe paying for your paying for rent together. You may ultimately have kids or pets or some other expenses that you're both responsible for. Why would you keep any of that secret? To me, that goes against two of the four pillars of long-term compatibility. That's not great for communication or conflict resolution, and it's not great for building trust. And According to the Wallet Hub survey, some people are not forgiving, and 17% of Americans say that they would not forgive their partner if they lied about a financial situation. So we have to put aside our own financial shame for a second, and uh, there's a lot about that in F the Fairy Tale. You can read it later. But we have so much shame ourselves around our own financial situations that we think, well, I shouldn't share it with my partner. But if 17% of people might end the relationship with you because you lied about something financial early on. Is that worth the risk? Well, there's so much more in this Wallet Hub study. We will link to it in the show notes. Go check it out. And while you're checking things out, make sure you're checking out that F the Fairy Tale pre order giveaway. It is only good while the book is available for pre order. And that ends. January 2nd, when the book comes out. So if you want to see the Drew Barrymore show in person, sit on the floor right there next to Drew. If you want to have a $500 travel voucher so you can go wherever you want in the world or come to New York City and see Drew. If you like clothes and you want to have like the most comfortable jeans you will ever wear in your life, I'm not even joking. Like I went to them because I was like, I got your jeans and I I need everybody else to know about them. And they're going to give you $500 in clothes. That's like, honestly, that's like five pairs of jeans. That's more than five pairs of jeans. Look, y'all, this giveaway is fire. And I just don't want you to miss out on it, especially if you already know you're going to buy F the Fairy Tale and get the book. And you know you want to be on OkCupid and you want to be one of the 39 people who are going to get free premium OkCupid subscriptions, just check it out at demonahoffman.com slash giveaway. And don't forget to pre-order F the fairy tale, my new book. All right. When we come back and you better come back because this is a 
really provocative discussion that I'm having with Paul Keeble. He's the chief strategy officer for Ashley Madison, and he's going to discuss the findings of the company's most recent study on Gen Z relationships and dating. Don't go anywhere. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back, lovers. I am here with Paul Keeble. He's been working with Ashley Madison for over seven years. He's now the chief strategy officer and overseeing the brand marketing and communications divisions of the business. And yes, if you need a reminder, Ashley Madison is a dating website geared towards people who are already married and dating. Now, whether people are doing this on the DL or they are participating in ENM, the ethical non-monogamy, we're going to find out. I'm going to get the answers for you. But first, let's give big smooches to Paul Keeble. Such a pleasure to be here today, Demona. It's so good to have you. And I have to say, you know, I've been in the game for a minute, Paul. And I know Ashley Madison has been in the game for a minute. And I've never had anyone from Ashley Madison (laughs) on this podcast. But you all put out some really interesting stats from a recent study that I was so intrigued by. I was like, I need to hear what this man has to say. Well, it's not so much what (laughs) I have to say. It's what Gen Z has to say. It's sure. really just, you know, us uncovering a lot of insights. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm all excited to get into it. But, you know, you tell me what, you know, you found fascinating, what you want to know more about. And, and I, I'm happy to dive into it all. Yeah. I, okay. We're going to get into the numbers. But I actually, I really just want to start at the beginning of Ashley Madison. <laughs> the why, the how, the, the, the inspiration behind it. Because as somebody who's worked with dating apps for a really long time, I think sometimes the goal of why the dating app even exists gets lost and gets yeah. transformed. And I would imagine that, especially looking at some of this data from Gen Z and the ad- shifting attitudes about relationships, that there's probably an evolution happening with the Ashley Madison audience as well. So take us back to the beginning, Paul. So early 2000, online dating is is very much in its initial stages, but it's starting to take hold. You know, uh, uh, the very traditional sites like eHarmony and Match were out there. People were starting to realize this was going to be the way we were going to meet people and date. And an interesting report started to come out that suggested up to 30% of profiles were in fact married people pretending to be single, which for if you're you know the manager at Match or eHarmony, that's not a great thing. That's those are not the people you want on these sites, um, and your your membership doesn't want them there. And so, for for us, for our founders, that was their you know proverbial light bulb moment that said, what happens if we create a place where married people who are looking to step out of their primary relationship have a place to meet others who are trying to do the same thing. And that was the genesis for Ash Madison to create a place for like-minded people. Because in our belief, you know, in a, in a sense, we're trying to create a better mousetrap. The idea is affairs are obviously risky behaviors at a certain level. And doing it where the traditional places are in the workplace 
or within your social circle just increases those risks, not only of getting caught, but you know, oftentimes, particularly um, now we see in the workplace, losing your job, if not your career. And we're talking just strictly um, consensual affairs. And we started and it took off, like I think beyond uh, the founders' expectations. And we've now grown to more than 80 million members since we've launched in 2001. I saw that stat and I passed out and I came to and was like, wow. And a lot of that growth even has happened, especially among Gen Z members. A lot of that growth has happened even just in the last couple of years, right? Absolutely. We've signed up since about 2016, I want to say a little bit more than 35 million, close to 40 million people. And Gen Z is a significant portion of that population. I think we're almost... 40% in the past year was Gen Z. And what it's showing us is a lot of different things. And that's what we wanted to look into. Why is it Gen Z signing up to our site? Because obviously that wouldn't be necessarily the expectation. And so we wanted to ask, why is this younger cohort looking to our site, which obviously was purpose-built with a different intent to some degree, but has a lot of utility for people who in particular like the value of discretion that we offer. Mm. Okay, so let's start to dive into the data then. Why is Gen Z going towards Ashley Madison? Well, I'll take one step back first and say, we first saw that this number started to show up in terms of increased Gen Z population. And that obviously piqued our interest in terms of, we wanted to better understand what was happening and why. But we were also at the same time looking externally to reports that said some contradictory information that Gen Z was both having less sex than its previous cohort, so I'm Gen X, uh, and that they were also, at the same time, far more permissive and or adventurous from a sexual perspective. And that seemed to us to be somewhat contradictory. How is it you're more permissive and adventurous, meanwhile having far less sex? But there's a truth to both of those that actually bears out. And what it is, is Gen Z is saying, listen, we have far more information about sex and sexuality than any other generation. We have a greater awareness, greater acceptance of our sex activities, interests, and sexualities. And we're going to not follow suit to the previous generation's idea that sex is a tool to be shamed whenever it steps outside of, you know, the strict sex hetero normative behaviors that we want to see uh, or the powers that be want to see. And they're saying, listen, when we want to have sex, we want to do it ways we like that we enjoy under our domain, but we're not having the same pressures that we have. So again, referencing my advanced age as a Gen X uh, cohort, I remember as a teenager, you know, that pressure, that the idea first and foremost, everybody else was doing it. And that inherent pressure to get to that level because everybody else was doing it. Now, as you become an adult, you realize everybody's full of it. And there's, there's just, just lying through their damn teeth. Um, but it didn't remove the pressure. And then as you continue to progress, you know, any sort of interest that stepped outside of, again, the cis heteronormative was, you know, pushed back against you as a, as, as a measure of shame. You're weird. You know, you, you looked at that, you're gay because you're a guy. Guys can't look at that, right? All these sort of different negative emotions uh, around sex were placed upon us. And part of it was we didn't have the information that Gen Z has now readily at hand. We only knew what our big brothers and sisters told us if they ever did, or if our parents even remotely talked to us uh, about sex education, which was pretty limited. And so what Gen Z has now is 
far more information and they're realizing no one's having as much sex as they all claimed in high school anyways. So that pressure is now coming down. And then they're saying, listen, we have greater awareness about our sexual activities and our sexual uh, sexualities. You don't have to have the shame that every other generation comes. So now that opens up a lot of different doors. And when you see generation after generation where the marriage rate declines and the divorce rate increases, what is happening there? Because the idea is you are to marry your best friend, your best lover, your financial partner, your household partner, and keep adding on. That's a lot. Therapist. Yeah, Yeah. your therapist. That's (laughs) a lot of things for one person to you know wear, and that is at the heart of a lot of um, relationship that that dissolve. The idea that one person could be all those things is a falsehood. Monogamous marriages do work absolutely. So we're not in the business of saying monogamy doesn't work. We're just saying it doesn't work for everybody. What we find typically is those relationships that work best are ones that don't rely on their partner to be everything. They often fit a lot of different things, but not the everything model. Those are the ones that typically fail because then the expectations are never going to be met. And so you come home disappointed. Now, we can get into later if we have time about, you know, the reasons and rationales about why some of our older cohorts are on Ashley Madison. But what the reasons for the Gen Z ultimately comes down to, while they are removing shame from their sexual lives and their relationships, they still understand as a much you know younger generation who's moving into their beginnings of their careers, they realize they don't hold as much power as they would like. And so they understand they wanna pursue these activities. They wanna find people that are like-minded to, to them, but they don't want their colleagues, their families necessarily knowing about their behaviors as they explore them you know, in the very beginning. And so the discretion we offer is really at the heart as to why people come to our space, because you have a cohort. We have more than 20,000 people joining every day. So the likelihood of potentially meeting somebody who has those same interests. And there's, you know, an interesting corollary to why we're so successful as a business. It's because our daters, honestly, are the most honest daters compared to any other dating app. Why? When you go on Match and eHarmony, I'm not picking on these guys, they're just some of the most popular, well-known traditional dating apps. You are usually looking for a life partner. You're looking for somebody to you know, be that all for you. And so you're gonna present your best self. Who's the best Paul? I'm gonna put on my best picture and talk about myself in the best way. So I'm not necessarily lying, but I'm not bringing everything to bear in terms of who I am and what I want. Whereas the people at Ashley Madison, they're far more likely to say, hey, Here's me, warts and all. Here's all the different fun stuff I'm looking to do. Here's all the fun stuff I'm not looking to do. So if you don't match with me, awesome, cool. You're still a great person, but it's not a great fit for me. So I'm not going to try to be pretend to be something that I'm not because I've already gone through often a relationship or through uh, a series of you know encounters that reveal to me that this is what I like and this is what I don't like. So I don't need to pretend anymore. And under the cover of discretion that we provide, it allows people to be more honest and open about who they are and what they want. And we find it to be a very successful platform for those who are looking for something outside of traditional cis-heteronormative relationships. Paul, there's so much I want to unpack there. I do (laughs) want to talk about how Ashley Madison is used by older daters. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening in the audience who are like, but what about me? And, And what do the Gen Z trends have to do with me? And I was really interested in having you on the podcast to unpack these trends because I really have seen over the 17 years that I've been doing this that what is happening among the youngest generation of daters 
then has sort of a snowball effect that then affects the next generation, the the older generations from from that point forward. So it is really key to look at the attitudes and behaviors among Gen Z daters. And the other big thing that uh, I just want to shine a light on from this study is that it's not even just about the shame around certain sexual desires. It's even the definition of partnership that I see changing. And among the daters that you surveyed, a lot of them were saying that they're not even necessarily interested in monogamy. They are, they are more than starting half. out. Yeah, more, more than, than half, half. Of, of the Gen Z population that we surveyed for our report said, I, think, I believe it was actually 56% were interested in a non-monogamous relationship, which is a really big umbrella term that encompasses a whole range of activities. But at its core, it says, me as as a person has a lot of different desires, a lot of different interests, and 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 you know I might like to go to karaoke on this one night. I want to go to a poetry reading on another, and I want to go to a UFC event on a different night. And that can all be me, but you know my different partners may not all fit you know into all of those categories. And then you layer on top of that your more intimate needs, because I have particular desires and not necessarily kinks or fetishes, because you know, people get in their mind that that means something really way out there. And we're not even talking about that. But people have different itches that need to be scratched. And what Gen Z is saying is it's okay if I have different partners. And that's a bit of a learning they've taken from, you know, Gen X, where we sort of started pushing back on the idea that premarital sex was this horrible idea. And now it's pretty much a norm for the vast majority of Western culture that premarital sex is normal. It's okay. And for a lot of people, it's a requirement. Because the idea of getting into a long-term monogamous relationship with somebody without ever having any understanding about sexual compatibility, we see the errors of that, particularly when we come to understand the, the variety of options, interests, and desires that, that everybody has. We, we're just more aware of what's available to us. So we want to make sure our partners are a really good fit. And so what Gen Z has taken from that is that, okay, great. If sex before marriage is okay... You know, maybe mom and dad don't think so, but no parents have ever been totally cool about that for the Which most part. Which we won't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we exist. And I know. I actually wrote about just what you were saying about assuming everybody else was having sex and then uh, and then not having sex myself until I got to college and thinking that I was weird or outside the norm. And as you were talking, it, I, it suddenly dawned on me, oh, my God, my parents are going to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I'm way past that point. So they're going <laughs> to, I have two kids. They, they're they going to have to assume that I've had sex. You can imagine I have a really interesting conversation with my father on a rather regular basis, given what I do for a living. Um, <laughs> I can only imagine. Sorry. Okay. So yeah, back to what you were saying about. Um, so yeah, 56% of Gen Z reported that they're interested in a non-monogamous relationship. And that is, again, the reason why they're turning to Ashley Madison is that as they're exploring the space, as they're finding out where the parameters are that suit them, they want a bit of discretion. Again, not because they have shame internalized, they understand the consequences of others, you know, particularly those in power. They don't want their parents, their colleagues, maybe even their roommate knowing all their behaviors. And so discretion still is a value to them as of right now. And they may progress to the point where they're far more open and out. Um, there, there's lots of different spaces for them. There's, there's a bigger and growing population that doesn't require the discretion. But for those that are, particularly in the initial phases, that's what we offer. 
And they're looking for this because they want to see how they fit in. They want to see what types of partners work best for them under which conditions. And in searching for different partners, what it allows them also to be is a lot more open and honest with all of their partners to say, hey, listen, I'm dating you. You're my Friday night person because this is what I like to do on Friday. And, you know, obviously I'm overly simplifying this, but they may have a different Saturday person and all these different activities and events fit into it. And going back again to, you know, Gen Z is both the most permissive and open sexually, but not necessarily having as much sex. So this doesn't boil down to just getting in the bedroom and having sex every other day with 10 different partners. This is not your Playboy Mansion, Hugh Hefner sort of mass orgy all the time. Sure, there are people into that and that's happening, but a far greater portion of these people are just saying, I wanna have an, a level of intimacy, a connection with people that suit different parts of my personality. And it doesn't, again, always boil down to a physical interaction every single time. They are not as focused on the act of sex in and of itself. They understand there's a much greater dynamic and much smarter people than me have said, the biggest and most valuable sex organ we have is your brain. And Gen Z is saying, yeah, we're totally into that. So I wanna read poetry, I wanna talk politics, I wanna go watch movies. I wanna do all these different things with different people to excite me, educate me, and, and facilitate aspects of my personality that I wouldn't get necessarily from just one person. I definitely hear you on that, Paul. <laughs> I'm going to push back a little bit. You know, I am, full disclosure, I am like cishet, married, basic ass bitch, <laughs> monogamous, basic uh, dating coach. And I, too, say you should not make your partner the be all and end all. They shouldn't be responsible for all of your happiness. You sh they shouldn't be your only activity partner. And the, everything you said about all of the pressure that that puts on one person to see, to serve all those needs. I'm just asking, <laughs> why not have like friends that you could do <laughs> all those other things with? Is, is is that I, I don't know if you like looked at that among Gen Z, but like are people coming to Ashley Madison just literally for platonic friends or friends with benefits? Like, why does it have to be I'm going to go on a married dating app to have someone I can go to the movies with? Well, like I said, it, it's not all based down to, you know, what we do with our clothes up, right? That's a part of it. And they want partners that have that capacity and that openness to have certain exploration. So that is a role within their, their dynamics. And like I said, it's not everyone. 56% means there's still 44% of Gen Z that are looking for traditional monogamous relationships. And being non-monogamous doesn't mean that you can't revert back into or grow into a monogamous relationship. Sometimes it's, you know, Quite frankly, you know, I, I remember growing up watching shows like Three's Company. And I don't know if you ever remember watching that show. And there was this character, Larry, and he was, you know, the, the typical bachelor at the time. And he was dating a multitude of women. And the difference between what he was doing versus what, you know, Gen Z is doing, he was supposed to be the sly guy, you know, getting hookups in, in one night stands on a frequent basis. So he was never being truly honest. Whereas what Gen Z is doing is that, okay, I'm going to date multiple people to maybe find out what's interesting to me, how I want to grow and what activities that really uh, fit into the person I am right now, maybe one of these will 
come out and say, this is the perfect match and I don't need all these other things. Others will say, I really like this lifestyle and have this capacity for you know deeper intimacy. And again, when we say things like deeper intimacy, we're not talking again, just about traditional sex. There's a range of intimate activities that don't always boil down to what we do in the bedroom. And Gen Z is just saying, we're far more comfortable exploring these in an open and transparent way amongst our partners. And that's why they come to Ashley Madison, because they're a more receptive audience. They don't have to worry too much about overly defining themselves. So we don't have a ton of uh, descriptors in terms of how you define yourself. You leave that up to your profile to say, I'm Paul, I'm 49 years old, I'm separated father of two, and here's my interests in life, golf, movies, and cooking, right? And so that allows people to be more responsive to the person versus a, a particular button that you, you click on a website that says, this is who I am, and, and I'm a sort of, sort of static person. And I think it's a reflection that um, we as people grow over time. And Gen Z is just far more comfortable being a little bit more exploratory in an open way, not just amongst themselves, but amongst their partners. And I think that actually is a very positive thing. And then you talked a little earlier about how Gen Zs, the younger generation, will influence upwards. They are managing upwards because the more they do this, the more they say, we don't need to center sex in the world of shame and negativity in order to, you know, facilitate a society that we we all desire because that doesn't really get us anywhere we've seen the, the consequences of that we see the older generations are saying yeah that's a pretty cool idea and you'll start to see more people explore nominally i've spoken to a lot of members over the years that in fact particularly from the female perspective they're the ones who become more interested in monogamy after years of traditional monogamous relationships with their partners because They've reached a different stage in life and they want to explore some interests that they didn't even know existed. So that certainly is happening. That is definitely happening. And there was another piece that was reflected in the data that you touched on briefly. And in the report, it's uh, identified as the generation of sexually adventurous females. Your research said that female members are three times more likely than male members to have hooked up with one or multiple people of the same sex. Now, this is very interesting, Paul. 15% said that they have hooked up with members of the same sex. And I was actually kind of surprised. I hadn't really thought about people going to Ashley Madison because of the privacy that you mentioned for sort of sexual exploration if they're already in a relationship and they want that that privacy of being able to to explore what would it be like to be with someone of the same gender. And I have really seen that trend. It's funny because like right before the pandemic, every year I do this like future of dating episode where I kind of make predictions about what we're going to see. And I said in, this is in March of 2020, right before everything locked down, I said, um, we're going to see a lot more sexual exploration and people being open to to dating other genders. And it was really interesting seeing how that played out in the pandemic when a lot of us were locked down and took time to understand ourselves. And I saw actually among many of our married friends, my husband and I, several women in particular went through divorces and declared a preference for dating women or moved into relationships with women when they had been married to men. And I was like, wow, 
I was like dating Nostradamus. I predicted it, but it sort of exceeded my expectations. I imagine that behind the scenes here at Ashley Madison, that that might not have been something that you all expected to see in the numbers either. Well, we've always had same-sex um, options available on, on Ashley Madison. So so you've always been able to sign up as a female or male seeking male seeking female. And so, you know, we've always believed that that was going to be part of our journey. I, I would say it's a very small percentage overall, um, but certainly part of it. A anecdotally speaking, I've spoken to a number of members, particularly again on the female side, and it's not the, again, the, the you know the, the the pornography view of you know two girls just there to service a man that's you know was very much the 80s 90s early 2000s idea of female sexuality at least from the male gaze um a lot of these women who have been in marriages who've had interests and desires it is now being peaked because one it's more permissible there's a lot more ways to explore that without everybody discovering it because again being in the public domain you know, when you have kids and a work career, it's hard to have those explorations. And now with a lot of these different apps, including ourselves, it gives people the permission and the ability to explore that in a really discreet manner. And women are looking for, again, opportunities to explore, you know, an itch that hasn't been scratched in a long time or one they may not even know when they discover. And, and it kind of somewhat falls back to why do women join our site? Why do women en masse uh, join Ashley Madison. It was interesting. We did a couple of years ago, we did a study with um, Dr. Alicia Walker from the University of Missouri. Actually, she did the study, absent of us, all in our members. And 80% and of the women who came to Ashley Madison in her study said they were there because they were in a sexless or orgasmless marriage. And, you know, that really holds true. When I speak to my members, that is why they come to the site after years of asking for what they want, their partners aren't willing or able to. And then the how that manifests itself is going to be different for a lot of different people, but you certainly are seeing more women looking into same-sex opportunities to say, is this what I want? Am I more inclined this way? It's not necessarily a permanent shift. They're not standing up proud with with uh, the pride flag at this point, but what they're saying is, I wanted to see, is there is there more to this than what you know I feel right now? Is this really part of me or not? But I wanted to do it in a way that is, feels safe for me, feels comfortable, feels discreet. So if there's more to it, great, then they can grow beyond that. And if not, they can say, okay, I tried that. It really wasn't for me. It actually goes back to like Sex in the City and Samantha, uh, Kim Cattrall's char character, Sam. She actually, after years of you know fooling around and, and being a serial monogamist and dating multiple men, younger men, she, for one season, was with a woman living together for, for some time. And that journey very much matches what a lot of women are doing now. Mm. So true. And you've got the data to back it all up. What about for our, our millennial Gen X baby boomer daters <laughs> that are intrigued by what you're saying, but are, you know, from that generation, like you were saying, where I, I feel like even the, the branding around this has changed. Like, are, is the tagline still life is short, have an affair? Wasn't that, is that still the tagline? Yes, it is. Do you think you would change it <laughs> based on this data? Yeah. So we, we talk about that quite a bit. One of the things, you know, in, in this is, is a reason why I love my job to a certain degree. Um, 
often in, in, in the world of communications and marketing, you work for a variety of companies and you're trying to present your, your company in the best way possible, obviously. Um, and I remember I worked for one of the big telecoms here and I got more flack and pushback working for them than I ever have for Ash Madison. The reason is this, everyone hates telecoms. No, it's because we're very honest and very upfront about what we are about. Life is short, have an affair. There's, there's no ambiguity as to what our business is about. Now, you may not like it. You may think it's immoral. You may think it's unethical. We're happy to have that conversation. That's why we release this data. Because um, the truth is, no matter what I tell you, no matter how much data points I bring, or no matter how convincing I am as a talking head, I can't convince Demona to go have an affair behind her husband's back, unless that's what she wanted to do already. If you're in a happy, monogamous relationship, my business has no value to you, except this. As well as being the world's largest married dating site, we're also the world's largest married counseling service. Because if you don't want your partner on Ashley Madison, listen to me why people come to the site. Listen to me why people choose this pathway when you know they're not supposed to. You know, we, we live in a world where adultery is the only sin mentioned twice in the Ten Commandments. We need to understand what's happening behind the scenes. Why do people cheat? What are the precursors, the antecedents before people choose to jump into this world? And, you know, it's obviously a bit of a spiel again, uh, but I think it's a truthful one in so much that we talk to these members, we hear their stories. And that same um, professor, Dr. Alicia Walker, she also did a study as to why men cheat. And it really flips the script in terms of what people think. You know, we're told by Hollywood, that men cheat because they just want to sleep with everything that moves and they're, oh, it's always the younger, hotter girl in the red dress that attracts them and, and they can't control themselves and so they, that's what happens. Or it's the cute intern at the office. Um, but it's all about sexual desire. Well, guess what? Absolutely not. The men of Ashley Madison, for the most part, were coming to our site for an emotional validation. And everybody thinks that's why women cheat. Women are there for the sex. They're not having sex at home. And to be very clear, when I say they want sex, they want good sex. They want to have an orgasm. And they're not getting that from their partner. Uh, so gentlemen, talk to your partners. Listen to them as to what helps them achieve that. And if you're not able to do it, find a way that you can facilitate that. Otherwise, they're going to be you know, on my site, thankfully. And women, you know what? And, and there's, I, I, I don't know where I heard this, but I read it once not too long ago that it, a man will hold on to a compliment for years. If you tell your husband that, hey, you looked really good in that outfit, that suit, that shirt, that whatever, he's gonna hold on to that because men don't get those. He's gonna wear that shirt every single day, Absolutely. every time you go out. Absolutely, every, and so you think, why is that jerk always wearing that damn shirt? That's why he's wearing that damn shirt because we, we don't get complimented very often because we're supposed to be these big, stoic, unemotional, breadwinning, you know, handyman of the house. Um, that's not who we are. Some of us are, but not all of us are. And so men feel unwanted in their relationships, which actually leads oftentimes to a unique situation on our site where the women complain that sometimes the men won't go through with it. Uh, they won't consummate the affair because they've jumped in, they've conversing with this woman and they, you know, they, 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 the point of the conversation gets to a point where let's meet together and, and you know, see if we can uh, match up a little bit better. Uh, and for men, it's just enough that a woman wanted them. It's just enough that I wanted and desired and I could if I wanted to, and then they step back. Now, listen, there's not 
a majority of men doing them, I say, but it's still underlined that emotional validation is what draws them in. It's what brings them to our site. And when they get that, the, the, the feeling is so much better. And what's fascinating is the responses I get from both men and women are the same. Women will tell me that they are a better mother, lover, and wife because of their affairs. Because the stress of having a bad or non-existent sex life is overbearing. You know, we're not talking about, you know, one bad month or two bad months or even a bad year. We're talking years of neglect, years of disappointment. And that really can wear on the soul. And I honestly believe that we probably help more marriages than we dissolve. That's a bold statement, Paul. <laughs> it is. It is. I I definitely have had a new perspective in talking to you. And, you know, a lot of our listeners are single, so they're coming at it from a different perspective. But what I really want to emphasize to everyone is that you have options. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on to share this data. So thank you so much for joining me, Paul. You can check out the study for yourself. And if you're curious about anything Paul and I talked about, you can check out Ashley Madison at ashleymadison.com slash insights. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I will be back to answer the following listener question. I need to get over my ex, but how? Stick around. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You have questions, I have answers, and I'm here to help. Dear Demona. This one comes to us in an Instagram message from a listener we'll call Molly. She says, hi, Demona. I broke up with my ex 10 months ago because of a lot of issues within the relationship. He was a nice person, but the puzzle pieces did not fit well for us. Since then, I have done the work on myself in terms of gaining back my independence and getting my social life back in order. I started therapy a few months ago, and that has been helpful. I recently looked up my ex on social media and saw he was dating someone else, which is fine. I guess I just feel like even though everyone has their own path to going back to dating, I was just surprised that for him it happened when it did. I guess for me, I'm having trouble letting go and moving on completely. I've gone on a few dates this year, but question if the other person is someone whom I want to build a life with for the next 40 years. Or do I see myself single and having a dog and getting that companionship type love from that, even though I know it's different? I am having a hard time figuring out what's best for me. Girlfriend, I know, I know that experience you're going through. I've been through that experience and I'm sure many other people have too, where you're like, okay, I'm over it. I am good. I've done therapy. I am cool. I don't even care. Oh my God, who is that girl? <laughs> right? Um, it's just natural because of the stories we have in our heads, right? You had a particular story going with your ex and then... Now there's someone else that's living in your story. And even though we ended the story and we, we started the sequel, there's still part of you that's like, 
wait, 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 wait. But I remember that other story. <laughs> and I'm just not sure, actually, that I'm ready for this next chapter or they're ready for this next chapter. But Molly, you're writing your own love story, too. And 10 months, I think, is a fair enough time. I don't know how long you were with your ex. That's a fair enough time for him to move on and for you to move on. And then you jumped all the way to, I'm going to have a relationship with my dog and be single for the rest of my life. Whew. That was a rapid progression in just 10 months. So look, nothing against having a successful single life, having a dog. I'm a dog person myself. I know many of our listeners are cat people. It's very divisive. I won't get into that now. You have to keep the mindset that you are still writing your love story. And if a relationship is what you want, then don't start writing yourself out of the story just yet. Let me tell you a thing about anxiety, Molly, that I actually talk about at length in F the Fairy Tale. Anxiety is most prevalent at two times, when we are ruminating on the past or when we are projecting to the future. So being on social media and seeing your ex has brought you into the past and then you're thinking about who you want to be with 40 years from now, and you're all the way in the future. Let's come back to the present for a second. And let's say, what can you do to make a connection right now and to also protect your mental health right now? Firstly, what would it take for you to unfollow slash block your ex slash social media snooze your ex for a little while so that you're not being reactivated by seeing them again or seeing them with your ex? Because that's just not healthy for anyone. And that, again, takes you into anxiety and out of the present moment. We're not worried about him. Great. He's happy. We wish him the best. We're never going to talk about him again, Molly. He's been thanked and he's been released back into the wild and good for him. You're my listener. I'm interested in helping you. We want to figure out the pillars of long-term compatibility that you're building off of. We want to get you on fulfilling dates in 2024 and that experience of seeing oh, there are other people out here who meet my needs and whose puzzle pieces fit better with me, and that's great. I'm, I can let the other relationship go because I know that that's not the story that I'm telling anymore. But it's all going to start with you, Molly. So I encourage you to take a decisive action. Take maybe three decisive actions. And remember that falling in love is a long-distance run and not a sprint. And I bet you 10 months from now, when you write into the show and you give me your update, you'll be in a very different place than where you are right now. Well, that's a wrap on episode 487 of Dates and Mates. If you have a question like Molly or any of our listeners from last week's Dear Demona episode, hit me up at Demona Hoffman on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, or give me a call or send me a text at 424-246-6255. My last reminder today, get up in this giveaway, y'all. We are doing this F the Fairy Tale pre-order giveaway 
only through the end of the year. So you can find out more about that at DemonaHoffman.com slash giveaway. Pre-order your copy of F the Fairy Tale wherever books are sold, pretty much. You can pretty much get it anywhere in any format. And all of that is eligible for the giveaway if you want to submit your receipt at DemonaHoffman.com slash giveaway. We'll be back again next Tuesday with a very special holiday mini-sode. I know what we are doing a holiday episode. Yes, and it's actually going to feature one of our Dates and Mates listeners. You won't want to miss it. Until next week, I wish you a happy Christmas Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, <laughs> and of course, happy dating. <laughs>